0: Well, good morning. Several years ago, I was, had the privilege to be in Moscow. And the host I was traveling with took us through the Kremlin there in Red Square. I got to see a couple of different aspects of it. And they took us to this big hall where in the mid-60s, maybe in the early 60s, a gentleman got up and he spoke. He spoke for about an hour on how there was no God, Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. He may have died on the cross, but there was certainly, and he laughed, no resurrection. And for an hour or so, he went on and on and on about this, this claim. Then another gentleman was supposed to come up and dismiss this large crowd. And so the first fellow got done, and it was deathly quiet. There was no applause, there was no nodding in the head, there was no nothing, no acknowledgement at all. The elderly gentleman came up to the front, and as was the custom in that part of the world from Orthodox religion, from Orthodox faith, whenever you would say Christ is risen, then they would respond, risen indeed. So this gentleman walked up, and as a way of formal greeting, not on Easter, but as a way of formal greeting, he just simply said, Christ is risen, to which the entire congregation stood and shouted, He is risen indeed. And so this morning, we rise and we shout that Christ the Lord is risen, and he is risen indeed. Amen? And so we want to thank you for coming here today and just enjoying uh, the service. The singing's been great, and hopefully my prayers, God's message will speak to your heart. How many of you have ever heard of Harry Houdini? Anybody heard of old Harry? Guy back in the early teens, nineteen. 1920s. He died in October of 1926. He was a master, for those of you who do not know, he was a master escape artist. And he just had this ability to do stuff that nobody else could do, you know. He would laugh at locks, sneer at chains, and he had the flexibility of an eel. He, he had the, you know, nine lives of a cat. He was just like this incredible escape artist. They would, they would seal him tight in a coffin. Harry would get out. They would put him in a, rivet him in a boiler. He escaped. They sewed him up in a big canvas bag. He got out. They locked him in a milk jug, one of those old milk jugs, you know, used to come off the dairy truck. I don't remember those, but I have watched Andy Griffith, and I've seen it from time to time. And man, I don't, I don't know how he's flexible enough to even get in that thing. I can barely bend over and tie my shoes, but... He's got that, that whole thing on on, but Harry got out. And they, they put him in a maximum security prison, and somehow, Harry got out. Then in October of 1926, old man death put his hands on Harry Houdini, put him in a grave from which he is yet to escape. In fact, he told his wife before he died, he said, now I will find, if there's a way out, I will find a way. Keep the light on for me, honey, because if there's a way out, I'll find a way. So in their home for 10 years, she kept the light going by his picture. And finally, on the 10th anniversary of his passing, she went over to the picture and to the light, and she turned it out. Because death is one of those things that you just can't escape from. I, I don't know how it is, and who can explain our federal government. But the federal government sent this letter out. I am told. I'll, I'll just read it too, and I'll, I'll kind of just hit the highlights. But it said, "Dear sir, your food stamps will be stopped effective March thirty first, nineteen ninety two, because we've received notice that you have passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if there's a change in your circumstances. <laughs> Only our government will do that." Listen, I'm telling you, you can't escape death. And when you do die, circumstances don't change. It's a real issue. Death laid its hands on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Death put Jesus, after he had died on the cross, for your sins and my sins. Death had put him in a a borrowed, rock-hewn tomb. The stone was placed on the mouth of that, that cave. A seal was put around it with the governor's imprint on it, which meant, do not disturb. And for three days, he was silent. For three agonizing days, nothing appeared to happen. But on that third day, on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead marched triumphantly through those huge walls of that, of that cave, of that tomb, and he walked out brand new in life, triumphant over death, hell and the grave. And that's what we celebrate here today. The fact that Jesus Christ is risen, and yes, he is risen indeed. Amen? And so today, yeah, it's all right. So today, man, we just kind of want to share the good news of the gospel message, But I want to ask you a question. Just suppose, just suppose Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Just suppose Paul posed that same question. Turn in your Bibles to Acts or 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't have your Bibles, the verses will come up on the screen, and you can write them down and follow along, but they're really, really important for us to understand. Paul was writing to a culture of skeptics. They thought if they didn't see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, smell it, then it wasn't real or they couldn't validate that it was real. Philosophically today they would be called naturalists, but it was before that naturalist time. They just simply said, if I can't feel it, touch it, taste it. And so now Paul is writing to people 22 years, not 2,000 years, but 22 years after his death. And some are questioning, did he really rise again? And by the way, if, if you were raised in, and educated in public high school, you were kind of taught that same thing, empirical science, that to validate truth, you've got to be able to taste and touch, see it, smell it, you know, and, and see it, right? But there's a lot of things that we believe by faith. That you don't necessarily see, touch, taste, or feel. When you drove here this morning and you were going, you know, and, and if you drive like my wife, man, she will fly right up to about 10 feet before the stop sign. She finally decides to put on the brakes. We've been married. Thursday Tuesday we will be married 30 years. She's done this the entire year, 30 years of our marriage. I'm used to it by now. That's why I pray well. But you just understand. You married your spouse. Why? Because they loved you. You didn't touch it, see it, taste it, smell it. Matter of fact, some philosophers would say love doesn't even exist. You can see expressions of care and concern, but maybe this whole love thing, and you certainly didn't put it on a spreadsheet and go, well, you know, let's just kind of figure it all out. There are some things that you can't touch, taste, see, smell, but you believe you're there. How many of you have a brain this morning? Would you raise your hand? Some of you are not sure. That's okay. Nobody, some of you are going, nobody's really asked me that in a long time. I don't know. I'm confused. Unless you've had surgery or an x ray, chances are you've never seen your brain, touched your brain, felt your brain, smelled your brain. And certainly, you've never tasted your brain. That would be pretty sick. But you believe you got a brain. Now, I know what some of you wives are looking at. You're going, no, I told you, you don't have a brain, see? See, there are some things we believe by faith. And Paul was simply saying a different kind of argument. He's saying, what if? Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If you look at the, the text on the screen, let's stay back to the, to the last one there just a minute. Let me, let me just read, thank you. For what I received, in other words, what I taught, what I was learned, what I've been instructed, what I've witnessed, what I've witnessed, I pass it on to you as a first importance. So Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That was Friday. That he was buried. That was Saturday. And that he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. That's Easter Sunday. And then he appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 of the other brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living. The implication of that word, phrase in the Greek is, and many of you know them. Or know of them. You, you've been to their homes. You, you have this connection with them. And some have fallen asleep, some are dead, some have passed away in the 20, 22 years since. He appeared to James and all the apostles. And last of all, Paul said, he spoke to me. He spoke to me. But then Paul launches out in this argument and goes, okay, what if Jesus hadn't been resurrected? And the implications are staggering for not only the believer, but for the non-believer. If you're the type that only comes once or twice a year, I'm telling you, it has huge implications for you as well. If you're the the folks who've been here all the time and you're here every time the doors are open, it has huge implications for you as well. Look at what he says. He says, if there is no resurrection, look at verse 13, then Christ is still in the tomb. He's saying that everything you've heard Everything that we've said has been a big, bald-faced lie, if he's still in the tomb. By this time, Christians were starting to be martyred for their faith. He's saying that's a sham. He wants you to understand that if Christ is in the tomb, he is not the Son of God. He is not the Savior of the world. That would make him just a man like us in here today. In fact, it would make him worse than us. If he's still in the tomb. Because it means that he lied, manipulated, swindled, hoodwinked, misled billions of people if he's still in the tomb. I guess the deal is you got to decide if he's still in the tomb. you got to decide, did he rise again? Or if he's still in the tomb. By the way, not only... If there was no resurrection, would Jesus still be in the tomb? And that's an obvious one. But then Paul said, My, our preaching is useless. verse 14. He said, our preaching is just foolishness. It's useless. I've been pastor here for 20 years. For every man, useless. If Christ is still in the tomb. Paul goes on to also say, then our faith is futile. Not only is preaching useless, but your faith is useless. If Christ is still in the tomb. And then he goes on to say, then you're dead, then the dead have no hope. Look at verses 15 and 18. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God, how he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. In other words, the future resurrection of all believers is linked specifically to the past resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if there was no past resurrection of Jesus Christ then there is no future resurrection of the believers. Verse 18 said, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Now, by the way, that word lost doesn't mean I misplaced them like you misplaced your keys. By the way, I I got the, the new iPhone. A couple of weeks ago, I misplaced my phone and somebody downloaded an app on my iPad so that if I lost my iPhone, I could hit the app On my iPad to find my iPhone. But I lost where I put it on my iPad. So I could neither find it on my iPad or my phone. It's not talking about that kind of loss. It is talking about sheer hopelessness. There's no talk about heaven. There's no talk about joy. There's no talk about angels. There's no talking about eternal peace. Hope. Grace, forgiveness, there's no talk about any of that if Christ is still in the tomb. And then you come to verse 17. Then we're still lost in our sins. And if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The idea is not only you are still in your sins, you're still chained to those sins. You're still wrapped up tight with those sins. Those things that you don't want to do but you try to get past... That hot temper that just flashes up and you just kind of bellow out. That hateful temper, those hateful words. Whatever the addiction you may may have, whatever problems you got going on, they're locked into you. And there is no hope of being any better than what you are right now. If Christ is still in the tomb. Life is going to be as good as it gets for you right now. If Christ is still in the tomb. I don't care whether you're saved or unsaved. A believer or not a believer. It doesn't matter. Life will not get any better. For you may make more money, but it doesn't raise the quality of your life. and You will not be any better of a person than what you are right now if Christ is still in the tomb. That's a pretty discouraging picture, isn't it? Because most of us in here aren't what we want to be. Most of us in here want to be a little bit more loving. Amen? Amen? I, you guys ain't too loving, I'm telling you. Don't you sit there like we all lovey-dovey. I, I know who you are. I want to be a little more honest. want to be more kind, more compassionate to our neighbors. We all want to be a better better person. But I'm telling you, you, if Christ is still in the tomb, you would be no better. Than what you are now. But then you come to verse 20. And man, you come to this cool word. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. It's not if. It's but there is a fact. We're not talking in theory anymore. The hypothetical if. I'm telling you. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ has indeed, it's an emphatic statement. Paul says, I know it. And you know it too. He has been raised from the dead. Amen? That's what Easter's all about. It's Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, buried in another man's tomb and rising again, victorious over your sins, and death, hell, and the grave. A mom was trying to explain that as they were going to church on Sunday morning to her little four-year-old boy. And she was driving along. You could see him in the rearview mirrors. He's buckled back, and she was telling the story about the cross and how Jesus loved us so much, and he took our sins, and then he was buried, and they put the big stone in front. The angel came back and moved the stone away, and Jesus came out fully alive. And the mom was a great storyteller, and the little boy, his eyes were just big as saucers. And she said, well, honey, what do you think? He just went, wow. And then he just, he thought for another second, and he said, mommy. He said, yes, sweetie. She said, he said, will Jesus be in church today? And the answer to that question is, yes. 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 Will he be in your home today? Yes. 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 When you go to the work tomorrow at the job you don't like, will it be with you? Yes. When you face that issue tomorrow that you dread facing, will he be there? Yes. Why? Because he has risen indeed. He has been raised from the dead. He's been risen. He lives. And he's a God that doesn't stand way back in the shadows, and he's a God that lives with you. You sank about that today. He's actively involved in your life. So the tomb is empty. And then not only is the tomb empty, but because Jesus is resurrected, man, there is a future future resurrection for all believers. Look at this, that last line of verse 22, the very last one after the comma. So in Christ will all be made alive. So in Christ will all be Made alive. We're made in Christ, different in Christ now and forever. It has a future impact and a future significance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I'd like to just kind of throw out at you three, uh, three things in the here and now that. The resurrection does matter. What it means to you today here, it's not just some old archaic theology, but it simply means, first of all, that your sins, your past can be forgiven. That your sins and your past can be forgiven. That's good news. That is wonderful good news. My wife is a creative genius. She can see things in her mind that she expects me to do with her hands, my hands. We have a deck. I've never built a deck. I thought when she explained this to me, it would be a simple one-level deck. We got a three-tier infrastructure. We've remodeled our kitchen. Uh, I can only do so much. And then I got to call in a, you know. But I just know from working on stuff, because these are the hands of a klutz, folks, I'm telling you. I get halfway through a project, and I oh, man, if I could just start this thing over, it would be so much better. If I could just hit the redo button, you know. Don't you wish sometimes life had a redo button? Haven't you ever just kind of messed up in your marriage and you kind of just went, just hit the redo button, the rewind button, take it back, start it over? Have you, have you ever done something that just was so and, and, and you just messed up and you felt bad, you did something or you said something? And it just didn't turn out like you would thought and you are like, oh man, if I could just go back and redo it. If I could just go back and start over. I'm telling you, because Jesus Christ has risen from the grave, you get a fresh start when you give your life to him. I want to read a letter that a fellow pastor received. It kind of talks about how we all have regrets and feel bad about things and we all have guilt. A fellow pastor received this letter and he said, I'm 31 years old. And I'm divorced, though I fought the divorce bitterly. I feel bad. I have no hope for my future. Often I go home and I cry. But there's no one holding me when I cry. Nobody, nobody cares. And I continue to fail. I'm stressed out emotionally, and I feel I'm on the verge of an emotional collapse. Something is very wrong. But I feel so hurt and embittered that I can scarcely react or relate to others anymore. I feel as if I'm going to have to sit out the rest of my life in the penalty box. Have you ever felt that way? You screwed it up so bad. You jacked it up so bad that you thought the rest of your life you're going to be on the sideline. You thought the rest of your life you're going to be in the penalty box. I want you to understand your sins and your past can be forgiven. I don't care what the sin is. I don't care what the past has been like. You say, I've had this violent temper. It can be forgiven. I've got this drug addiction. It can be forgiven. You don't understand who I am. doesn't matter. It can be forgiven. See, on Friday, every sin you ever committed, every sin in your past, every sin you ever committed was dumped on Jesus Christ. And there on the cross, he died to satisfy the holiness of God so that you can have a relationship with God the Father because God the Son died for your sins. And then on Sunday to show you that He was greater than your sin. Then on Sunday to show you He was greater than your addiction. Then on Sunday to show you that He was greater than your past. He rose from the grave just as He said. And every sin in your past, every sin in your heart can be forgiven and you can hit the restart button this morning through a new relationship with Jesus Christ because he's risen just as he said amen understand it is fresh start people it is redo I love it then you also can have your present problems managed your present can be managed the number one complaint I hear from people over and over is my life is so out of control I hear it thousands of times I'm powerless, pastor, to change my situation. I'm powerless to break the bad habit. I'm powerless to to change my situation. I'm powerless to save this relationship. I'm powerless to get out of debt. I feel powerless to manage my schedule. You know what you need? You need a greater power than yourself. You were never meant to live life in your own power. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. It's not on the screen. Just listen to it. How incredibly great is power, is God's power, is his power to help those who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. What's he saying? He's saying the problems that you're going to face today, the problems that you're going to face tomorrow, the issues that you're going to face this month, this week, this year, the problems in life and the troubles of stuff, the junk of life that you got to deal with over and over, that you feel helpless and powerless to, to manage, control, whatever, there is a greater power available for you. And it's described in terms that it is just as great a power as the power that resurrected Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. That's the same power that works in our lives every day if we let it. So you got to choose. Is he still in the tomb? Is he out of the tomb? The same power that enabled Jesus to rise again is going to help you rise above your problems. The same power that God used at the resurrection 2,000 years ago can be used in your life right now. He'll give you the power to face it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. That's a living Christ. That's a conquered, conquering Christ who strengthens me. No problem's too big for God. No situation is too hopeless for you to turn it over to him. He can help you manage your present. Man, I also want you to know he can secure your future. Paul said in verse 20, death is defeated. Man, that is sweet news. Death is defeated. What that means is you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. One of the most universal problems we all got to face is death. Let's face it, nobody likes to talk about death. Nobody says, hey, come on over, let's have a cup of coffee and a piece of pie and we're going to talk about death. I mean, that is just like, no thank you. We just don't like to talk about it. I'm convinced after pastoring and for some 30 years now that most people are uncomfortable at funerals because it confronts us face-to-face with this issue we don't want to face. We got a billion, gazillion dollar industries trying to help us not look old like death. Amen? I mean, man, if you look old, man, you can just throw something on your face. You know what I mean? Your hair gets a little gray. No problem. You can be a blonde at the end of the day. It's not a problem. Or if you're like me, you just may want to find something to put on the top. You never know. Through cosmetics, man, we, we keep trying to defy this, this stuff, you know? I, uh, I stayed up, I, I am an NCAA basketball junkie. I mean, I stay up late and watch every game. I did not watch my beloved Ohio State Buckeyes after about eight minutes because they played with no passion. And if there's anything I can't stand is somebody doing something without passion. And I, I just, it was painful to watch. I just had to turn it. No. But I have found out from staying up late that there are all kinds of people who promise you if you buy their garb, you're going to not get another wrinkle till Jesus comes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right? And we all try to hide the wrinkles. And then if the the cosmetics don't do it, then we have surgery. Lift us up, talk us in. I don't tuck mine in. I just cover it up. That's all I do. (laughs) I mean, we, we got these surgeries, and then if you're, if you're into the, I think you say cryogenics chirogenics kind of thing, Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse supposedly had their heads kind of frozen until the time that science can catch up with their imagination and, and bring their bodies back to life. We all kind of think we can cheat death. fact is, everybody in this room one day is going to die. We don't like talking about it. It's a fact. It's one to one ratio. Every person who lives, every person dies. The question is, where are you gonna do, where are you gonna spend eternity after you die? If you say there is no resurrection, boy, you will face an eternity without God. If you say there is a resurrection, your future's secure. I want you to know, man, my future as a believer in Jesus Christ is 100% to secure. If I die right now of a heart attack, it would really mess up my Easter, but if I died right now of a heart attack, I'm telling you, I'd go to heaven. Not because I'm preaching, but because I've got a relationship with a resurrected Savior who I have put my faith and my confidence in and who said, listen, you've trusted me with your life, you can trust me in your death, everything's going to be all right, i got a better place for you to go because I'm the risen Lord. It's not a pipe dream. It's not something we've made up just to comfort people in a time of loss. It's very real. U.S. News and World Report ran a cover story several years ago. It's called The Rekindling of Hell. And it says that more people in America believe in heaven and hell than ever before. Why? Because we all wonder what's going to happen. What's going to happen when we die? And we think... You know, there's some bad theology out there in some of the movies that have been made, like Oh God with George Burns and, and Heaven Can Wait. And, of course, my favorite one, you know, All Dogs Go to Heaven, you know, and that kind of thing. But the Bible tells us that God really kind of had two ways to go to heaven. Way number one is be perfect. Never do a bad thing, never say a bad thing, never think a bad thought, never say a bad word, never do anything wrong, do everything right 100% of the time. Every time, all the time, anybody perfect in here. Better go to plan two. Plan two was that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that your sins, because you could never be perfect, your sins and my sins was placed on the perfect one, Jesus Christ. And so on the cross, Good Friday, he died for your sins. On Saturday, he was buried in another man's cave. Then on Sunday... He rose again, guaranteeing the resurrection and our future, our own resurrection and a secure future in heaven when we die. But I want you to know, heaven isn't for everybody. You understand that? All dogs may go to heaven, but not all people go to heaven. Only those who have accepted Christ as the risen Lord and Savior go to heaven. And the reason they do that and the reason we did it, because Jesus conquered death. He went through death and he demonstrated his power as God when he rose again from the grave. Several years ago, a missionary in Brazil found a, a remote tribe that lived up in the mountains away from the river. It lived up in the mountains away from the river. After he spent time with them, he realized that several That that more than normal, people were dying in this village because this virus or something was going around. There was a hospital not too far away, but they had to cross the river to get to the hospital. The reason they lived high on the mountain is because the river had evil spirits in it. And they knew that the evil spirits would kill them, maim them, harm them, suffocate them, drag them under the water, drown them. So they lived high on the mountain to stay away from the river. So the missionary got them and coaxed them all down to the water's edge. He jumped in his boat, paddled across the river, and came back and said, see, they were unimpressed. He stood by the water's edge and, and flicked the water up and swirled his hand in the water and went, they were unimpressed. He, he whited in the water and it was kind of up to his knees and, and he said, see, in whatever language you say see here in. And they said, mm mm, evil spirits. We're going back to the mountain. He, he waded in deeper, got up to his neck, splashing the water and telling them it's safe, that there's health and life on the other side. You just gotta go. And they said, no. And they started to turn away and he started to walk out of the river to get their attention. And finally, he said, wait. And the idea dawned on him. He ran through the shallow part into the deeper part, took a big breath, dived into that river, swam all the way onto the water, holding his breath, holding his breath, holding his breath, until he came up on the other side. And when he did, he came up with a shout and went, see, I told you. I want you to understand, Jesus Christ on Friday died on a cross he was buried and he swam through that river of death something that none of us has ever experienced before. Some of us fear it and and, and don't know anything about it. Jesus Christ swam through that river of death. And when everybody said hope was lost, when the devil thought he had him defeated, when the demons and the forces of hell were dancing around, thought they had won, Jesus Christ, on the third day, burst through with a shout of victory. See, I told you, I'm alive and I'll live forevermore. The truth of the gospel is, He's alive and he's risen, but you have to choose. Do you believe, are you on the if side, if he's risen? Or are you on the, I believe that he's risen, just as he said. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to ask you the most important question you'll be asked today. And here's the question Do you know Christ?